1: I'm going to switch gears here and have a discussion. It's an important one, one that we need to we need to find a way to to do things better. One year ago, okay, one year ago this month, just shy of 3000 women and 2500 children were in shelters in this country. Facilities for Victims of Abuse. That's according to Stats Canada, one year ago. And now we know the pandemic uh, saw a surge in domestic violence cases right across the country. And uh, what it's done is taken an already highly, highly stressed system and, and in reality push it past the brink. Um, hundreds of women and children are being turned away every day because there just isn't any more space. So so where do they go? Well, the streets Um, back to the person who abused them in the first place, regardless of where they go, it's not good. And it's a problem that's been going on for a long time. So how do we fix it? We're going to chat now with Lise Martin, who's the Executive Director of Women's Shelters of Canada. Um, Lise, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time today. Well, thanks for the invitation. You know, this situation, when you put it in that context in terms of hundreds of women and children being turned away every day, it really points to the fact that we got a crisis on our hands here, don't we?
0: We definitely do. Uh, I have to say, though, it's it's not new. So we yeah. have been taking sort of these snapshots since 2015, and uh, you know the data hasn't changed uh, you know significantly in terms of women being turned away. I think what the what the pandemic has done uh, has really brought to to the fore uh, the magnitude of this issue and uh, and and its severity, and hopefully the need to do something about it
1: um you know it's interesting you bring up the historical perspective of this and I think that's worth talking about because you know give us a history lesson if you will we've been doing this for over 50 years in this country now right we've had these kinds of facilities these shelters what's what's it been like is it has it evolved at all in the last four or five decades
0: well I think it definitely has evolved uh I think you know when uh when shelters uh, initially started. I mean, they were started, uh, you know, by women. Basically, it's interesting because the first, I believe it's six or eight shelters um, that opened across the country, opened in the 70s, and, you know, way before internet, way before fax, and so neither of them were aware of what was happening. So it was really a Uh, a movement, a spontaneous movement that happened across the country that, you know, this was one of those moments. We need to be doing something about this. Uh, But at that time, and for many decades I would say, uh, it continues to be a personal problem. So, you know, if you were living in a situation of violence, it was your issue, your problem. Um, And so gradually that has changed. Uh, But I do feel that Although we do recognize that, uh, you know, as a social problem, it's it's not to the extent it needs to be. This this really is a societal issue, and that's how it needs to be dealt with. And, you know, across the board, in terms of resources, uh, if we're going to,
1: uh, you know, start making change. When we talk about the resources in terms of funding these kinds of shelters and centers... How are they meant to be funded? Like, how and has it changed and has it kept up, or are we just sort of throwing whatever money we throw at it without really a lot of thought?
0: Well, we're not throwing tons of money. I can tell you. No, absolutely. (laughs) And uh, so, you know, we did a study back in the spring of 2019, and 64% of the shelters across the country. Um, had not had an annual cost of living increase from their main government funder for over, uh, 10 years. And so a shelter basically is run like your, any, any household. So you're paying, you know, you're paying your taxes, you're paying your heat, you're paying your food. And we all know how much that has increased, uh, in, in the last couple of years. And so they have seen, you know, no increases. Um, for example, the shelters, Uh, in Alberta have not received increases for the salaries for their workers in seven years. Um, So, you know, you can't, increasingly you're taking up the funds, you know, are, are being used. You have to give some increases in salary, but then you have less for programming and uh, you know, every, it all, it's all connected basically. Um, So for sure, you have that, um, sustained funding, you know, something you can count on, and that it's adequate, uh, would make a huge difference. And uh, this is part of the reason why uh, we, as an organization, as Women Shelters Canada, have been advocating for a national action plan uh, for over a decade.
1: Do we need to have a more thoughtful way of funding, like you say? I mean, first of all, we need to increase the funding, granted. Um, but then, like you say, it's not just as simple as directing money to this. I mean, there's operational costs, administrative costs, the facility costs. I mean, there's a lot of different things. And then also in terms of where the money goes to, you know, different communities, because the need is different in different communities. Are we being thoughtful enough with how we fund it? Correct.
0: And uh, in terms of, of uh, what we're... What being referred to as a national action plan, um, you know, to put it simply, we've often said that the uh, levels of services and protection available to women and their children should not depend on their postal code. Yeah. And that that's currently the situation, as it is. And the federal government is, you know, money was allocated for this national action plan in, uh, in the, the most recently released budget over the next five years. Uh, but our understanding is that funding is going to be given out on a per capita basis. so the basically the same formula. Uh, that That we encounter so often hmm. and and that means that you know often the those who most need the services will not have access to those services and so for example i 'll give you the like the north the territories yeah. uh, in twenty uh, not not this year but so in twenty twenty three twenty four seventy eight million Um, is allocated from the federal government. But on a per capita basis, that means that each of the three territories will receive less than $1 million. I mean, how can you even begin to address this issue?
1: And the the rate of domestic violence in the north is magnitudes higher than it is in other provinces, right? Yes. So the need is much higher and the funding is the same. Or not even the same. I
0: would even argue lower. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and that's, you know, linked to intergenerational uh, trauma, colonialism, and, uh, and, and, you know, the other thing that's often not taken into account is that the cost of delivering services, the cost of, of materials is so much higher in the North. And I think you'll see also there's, there's that Northern issue, but there's also a real urban rural divide as well.
1: I wanted to ask you, uh, we talk a lot about uh, the affordable housing crisis that we're seeing in Canada right now and how hard it is to find affordable housing in so many places across the country. Does that make the situation that much worse because um, people are relying more on shelters because they can't find an affordable alternative?
0: Yes, uh, there is a direct connection there. And, you know, the reason... You know, women, the shelters are having to turn away so much, so many women, is that women are staying longer, uh, because there's nowhere to go. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, these women need, I think it's really important to, to specify, they need safe and affordable housing. Like, it's, it, you know, the, the, the safety component is very important, uh, obviously, for for women fleeing violence. So, uh, you know, that is is linked to the lack of safe and affordable housing is linked to so many issues, of which one is, like, the, the capacity uh, in shelters, the, the number of women they can, they can take in, um, and also the fact, you know, that a lot of women find themselves going back uh, to these
1: abusive situations because there is no uh, no alternative for them um last one here are these conversations happening i think for a lot of governments it's just oh we're doing this kind of funding and we're doing that kind of funding and this is how much money we're giving but like you say there needs to be more thought around this are those conversations having uh, taking place at different levels to make sure that we're we're doing this in a better way instead of just saying oh here's a check and you know are we having the kind of conversations we need to have
0: in my opinion, we're not having them enough um, because, uh, you know, the federal government is speaking to, is basically uh, developing agreements individually with each of the provinces. And that is not uh, going to meet the objective. We need to also address this from the system, system systemic, uh, in order to ensure systemic change. We need cohesion of policy and legislation across the country. We can't have this patchwork of, of systems um, and uh, so that's making it very difficult, and that is what we feel we will continue to advocate for um, for for these uh, for, for for taking the long view. And I, the other thing I think is really important to to underscore is that violence against women is really a nonpartisan issue. It's a societal issue. We all have we all have responsibility uh, in terms of uh, addressing it.
1: Um. Lise, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you joining us. Okay, thank you so much. Have a good day. You too. That is Lise Martin, Executive Director of Women's Shelters of Canada, and you know it's it's a it's a situation that uh, I think you take a look at what's going on, and the numbers are up, and uh, just the, the the fact that we're turning women and children away from um, from shelters is uh, that that's not good.